Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan, and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I've picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure you check out the show notes for more details and information on today's topic. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. We are back for another episode of Nobody Told Me That, and we are in the midst of COVID, and I am pulling in all the big shots to come and talk to you to see how we can get things back on track, and I'm so pleased. I have Jerry Gottlieb with me. Hi, Jerry. Hi. How are you? I I am good. I'm so happy that you're on here. Jerry is somebody who is, I want to say, is a newer family member to me. You know, I have my road family and I have people that I've been traveling with for a long time, but really in the last four or five years, I've gotten to know her through working with her and just chatting with her. And when I thought about all this leadership stuff, I, you know, she's one of the ones that pops up. And then we were chatting one night, I think on Facebook, right? And I was like, oh, you got to come onto my podcast. And she was like, yes. And so, you know, that's how things happen late, late night on Facebook, right? Yes. (laughs) She is the owner and principal of GG Dental Practice Consulting, and she has, it's a gorgeous website. You should check it out. We'll give you all of that information at the end, but she is known for her patience, for her positivity, and her experience when it comes to bringing new leaders up to par and working with, I guess, scaredy cat newer leaders too, because, you know, sometimes you land in a position and you don't know what you're doing and you got to kind of fake it, but you're good at helping them do that, right? Like, is that something you really enjoy? It's something I very much enjoy because I was that same scary cat, scaredy cat leader, you know, 28 years ago, if it wasn't for mentorship and patience and good leaders surrounding me, I wouldn't have grown to where I am now. So absolutely. What was your pre-dental career? Ooh. My pre-dental career, well, this will age me now, Teresa. Oh, no, I'm sorry. We edit this right on out. (laughs) My pre-dental career was a college student uh, who was studying and pursuing a degree in psychology and music. Oh, wow. At that time, I was also then, I had to work my way through school and pay my, my own way. And I was managing a Clinique cosmetic counter for Macy's. But it wasn't called Macy's back in the day, not in uh, from Seattle, Washington. Um, it was called the Bon Marche. So oh. back in the day. I know. Oh, that sounds very fancy, Jerry. It's <laughs> fancy, yeah. Oh, I missed that. You know, I haven't been to a makeup counter in a long time. And we just lost all our male listeners. But they are very fun. <laughs> and you should stop in. And they were, yeah, Clinique was always good with the samples. And Shiseido was the other one that I always went over to. Yeah. So we need to get right back on the track. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so Jerry, you are seeing just like everybody else, this massive shift in the industry. Staffing shift is crazy. You shared with me that you're working with two brand new, you know, administrators. And do you see that as a continuing trend that we're just going to get a ton of new people now. I'm curious about the trend, Teresa, t- to be honest. What I've seen, which I think is leading to this trend right now, is in the, these last 10 weeks, or are we on 11 weeks now? I, I don't even remember how long we've been 
COVIDing, is that a word? Is is that many practitioners and business owners have taken the time to really examine and look at their practice, their leadership, not theirs, but also leadership within the team and the need to sort of refocus and give attention to developing their practice and to to meet the visions that they have for their practices. And with that has come a shift possibly in the team, right? When we laid people off or whatever we had to do, if we furloughed or whatever term or process people went through, now they have an opportunity, right, to recreate, essentially. So I'm seeing a good deal of that. With that, also this need for practice administration, strong administrative help, so that the doctors can really do what they always have wanted to do anyway, and that is practice on focus on the dentistry, right? But we need strong, talented, trained leaders for our practices. So we're seeing an influx, and I think there's going to be people who don't want to be a part of dentistry or medicine anymore, and there's going to be those who say, yes, this is an opportunity for me to step in where I've wanted to step in. I bet people are looking outside of dentistry now. My friend Tony Stefanu and I have a course called Beyond the Operatory. It's a career workshop. And we had a full house last time we did it. And the first time we did it was virtually um, this year. And we thought it was going to be a good mix like we normally have it. But we had overwhelmingly most doctors. And it was a lot of doctors looking to leave. Yeah. And then I see, you know, Lois with SCN and Vanessa with Jumpstart. They're looking at having some a lot of new people coming in there because people are thinking, well, I love dentistry, but I want to stay. I don't necessarily want to be in the office, but the magic is in the office, right? Like the yeah. treating the patients and, and seeing your coworkers. I mean, when I was in the office full time, I loved my coworkers. My boss is awesome. He's excellent. But I don't know now. It's like, is it the same when you're making jokes through N95s? I don't know. And then you're sweating like a, like sweating like crazy. I mean, right. there's a lot of, lot of changes to go through, right? So I'm not, I'm not particularly happy when I'm sweating. I know that. So I don't know how that would have worked. <laughs> yeah. So part of me, right, just like you, is, is thankful on the one hand that I am no longer, I don't have to face that challenge, that new challenge mm-hmm. of how do I connect with my patients and how do I work through all of this PPE and the daily grind of that, of being in the practice. But on the flip side, I I do miss that. I call it being in the trench. I do miss being in the trench, right? And sometimes, and which is sort of the premise of my coaching too, which is why I I keep my coaching clientele at any given time to just the people that I can carry in my two hands. is so that I can come alongside and say, I've been in this trench with you. I might be a coaching consultant now and I want to help you with the bigger picture of it, but I know the trench. I've been there. I loved it. I, I loved the trench. Um, but, and so I, part of me wants to come alongside and help too. Like, let me put all the stuff on and see what that feels like so I can help you even more with how do you reconnect and on a different way with your patients and your team. Well, I think you could just go upstairs and put on all your winter clothing at one time, Jerry. One thing that I've noticed is the dentists have really come out of this either looking like leaders or knowing now that they need to be leaders. I think Ooh. there's two different camps. So 
you're already really good in leadership and we'll get into that in a second. And listeners, I've also had the chance to work with her in different workshops. And so as good as she is with leadership, she blows you away with the numbers too. So maybe we'll have some time to get into that. But (laughs) what I have noticed with these dentists looking for leadership is that they've not only had to lead a team that's actually not physically there, they've had to learn to become good distance leaders, which that's a whole different dynamic, right? Have your clients had a challenge with face-to-face leadership versus text leadership, Zoom leadership? How's that been for your clients? Well, so it's been super fascinating. Yes and yes and yes. Most of our doctors, right? I mean, some, some, some doctors are better and more natural leaders than others. But if you think about our profession, right, we know that most of our clinicians have a, my, a brain and a brain that works magnificently well and scientific. And because that's what led them to be, want to become dentists or doctors. And the other piece of it is accidental rather than intentional, right? And so part of my work is to help them be more intentional on that side, the leadership side, so that they can really do the clinical side the way they want to. What's been fascinating, Teresa, really is to see some of my doctors that struggle with the in-person, face-to-face leadership rise up and really live in to this virtual leadership, much to my surprise, and, and vice versa. Some of my teams that I think are rock star leaders or the doctors are they're clear with their vision, they're clear with the expectations, in this scenario, pulled back. Interesting. It, it's been an interesting thing to watch. I want to explore that a second. So when you are not face-to-face and having uncomfortable conversations, I guess is that maybe why they're more comfortable with there's a little bit of a distance involved in in that conflict, if there is if there is conflict, potential conflict, do you think that's what that is? There's a there's a distance involved. That's interesting that you bring that up because until we started talking like this, I hadn't thought about it. I've just been watching it and seeing it, but I imagine that that is some of it, right? Whereas, like for me, somebody who's very very comfortable and has just become more comfortable over the years, right? Being one-on-one, I can sit down and have that conversation and have those difficult things. And when we're having to have difficult conversations or conversations that might breed some tension or I call it collaborative tension, um, that we, that I can do that better face-to-face. I want to touch you, feel you, or I want to have that energy in the room. But I think if you're not comfortable with that, which most people are not, even those of us that coach it sometimes are not. I know. Right? I know. That, yeah, I think this virtual platform, I think, must be allowing for more comfort and therefore they're more ready stepping into it, right? They're just more, they're more comfortable stepping into it because they do have sort of this little, I'm sort of safe here in my space and you're there. And not that there's a physical threat, but just the proximity. Well, there's the ability to hang up. Yes. Oh, sorry, the connection's so bad. I can't go. I'm glad we had this talk. We gotta go. That's right. (laughs) And another thing too is I I know one thing that um, one question when I was consulting was we always had to try to figure out when to do the morning huddle. And when we had staggered staff, it was always oh the huddle never works because of this this and this. And the best teams had already figured it out by doing like a Marco Polo or a FaceTime and share 
you know, in the mornings and all of that. And now I'm hearing, you know, just reading the forums is just so much fun because they're like, oh yeah, now we're going to use these video apps for people who aren't in and we're going to record it. And the technology comfort level has really just shot ahead, you know, probably what, four or five years. So now we can use all these great communication tools uh, and maybe that's going to help the doctors who don't necessarily want to have that face-to-face. So I imagine that's going to be a big part of your coaching. Absolutely. It's already a big part of it. And it's been helping with communication, right? So being able to record a little video instead of, so I, I'm not one for text and email communication around complex or three-dimensional topics, right? Things that have complexities to them. Email and text is really supposed to be for, are you here? Are you there? What are you doing? Yes, no answers. You know, those two-dimensional, one and two-dimensional topics. But so often our leaders <laughs> or people, we try to have these conversations via email and think that the a receiver should understand it. But when we can actually record something, talk, and have a conversation with, with intonation, with body language, with our face, all of those pieces, I think the delivery is better. So I think communication is going to improve. The idea that we, when we have these staggered huddles, the fact that we could just record those little things now and like Susie can come in for her, you know, nine to six shift or whatever it is. And though I might be responsible for making sure she watches it and gets up to date on what the huddle was like, there it is. She gets to see it live. So instead of those questions like, well, did Jerry not say this or did, did, um, Teresa not bring up the thing? Did she talk about the insurance for Susie Q? Like, right? We get to, we can see, oh, well, this is what the conversation was. It's been fun to watch some of our, not, and I'm one of those, so I can make fun of the technically challenged human and oh, watch stop. them go, look at them, look at Dr. So and so, learn how to use Zoom. <laughs> You know, and, and my son makes so much fun of me because he's like, why don't you get on TikTok? And that's oh, when Lord. I really feel old, right? Like, I just, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to be one of those ladies on TikTok. I just don't, <laughs> you know? Although Manal Simpat thinks I'm going to TikTok and she's like, I want to help you do a TikTok to blow your kids away because my kids make fun of me also. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. Why give them more ammunition? They have enough ammunition. Why give them more, right? So this is funny. Okay, so let, let me give you something. Let me give you a situation that I know is happening all over the country. And you've, you've even said that it's, it's happening, you know, or about to happen for your clients. I am a new manager, but old employee. Okay, so I'm going to give you two scenarios. Yeah. So I am the receptionist who is now... I've been promoted because there's now an opening and now I'm in charge. I'm looking at you like, oh my gosh, please help me. <laughs> so what does that first conversation between us look like? You're talking to Jerry, the coach, like, help me. Help I'm me talking to Jerry, you. the coach. Yeah. Not you and me, because we'll just giggle. <laughs> no, Jerry, the coach. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love that you are asking that because yeah, exactly right. I have a couple of teams right now who have done exactly that. They've moved somebody in. And that happens a lot in our industry, right? We, we don't necessarily hire somebody to become the practice manager, but then somehow they become the practice manager just by need or someone leaves. Um, but we haven't actually taken them through the interview process to become a practice manager and or tested skills. Okay, so that's interesting. So I'm already in the practice, so I'm just assuming I'm going to slide into it. So now you're telling me I'm going to have to 
be interviewed and have my skills assessed for that, right? Like well, I, I'm saying you should. I'm not saying okay. you are or you have to be. What I'm saying is my first conversation with you is going to be a little bit like that because I'm going to want to know. I know how you are as a, an insurance coordinator and you're a rock star and you kill it and you do that. I don't know how you are necessarily as a leader and a manager. And what does that actually look like to you? Okay, so that's interesting too, because I may just base the job of the manager on what I saw the previous manager do right. and what you as the doctor owner consultant, you may have a totally different idea of what I should be doing. Okay, that makes total sense. And I'm just trying to soften the blow because I think there's going to be a lot of my listeners, you know, they're mostly managers and doctors that are listening. They're, they're going to find themselves in this situation soon. And I think that's fair that you would assess my skills because it, in a lot of ways, I think that's why we have issues in the practices because people just ascend to the next step or next position that's open Correct. without actually being tested. I That's great. I didn't think of that. And as a manager, I would have failed that because I didn't think of that. So right. And if we lead by, right. And if we lead by example, then we're like you just said, we're, we watch Susie Q, who may or may not have been a very good leader or manager. And that's our basis. And we think, oh, well, okay. Or, you know, even if we think we can do it better, do we have all the skills that we need and the understanding that we need. I'll give you an example. During this time, I spent a, a, a great deal of time helping one of my teams hire a new practice administrator and a treatment coordinator. And we started first with the interview process of practice administrator and a lot of applications came through, lots of within and lots of without dental experience. And the gal ultimately that we did hire, she's 28 plus years. So she's like a Jerry in the industry and she as a hygienist. So does she know dentistry? Yes. Does she understand the complexities and the work? Cause she also was an assistant before she was a hygienist and what have you. Sure. She understands those different pieces, but she's never been a practice administrator or manager. And depending on what that means for your office, right? Cause you know, in our industry, we can also say, Oh, I'm a practice manager which means I actually don't really do anything except I get all the blame for the stuff or the doctor wants me to handle all the stuff he does, he or she doesn't want to handle. Or there's a top level practice administrator who is handling the, the inflow and the outflow of cash. She is handling the accounting and the bookkeeping and or payroll and he or she is doing the you know performance reviews and things with the team, right? So there's varying levels. Well, most of us didn't go to school for that either, but we're being asked do those roles. You know, that's that's so interesting too about the fact that these roles don't have definitions. And I mean, maybe if you know of one, please let me know, but there's really no source that I can go to, resource that tells me, except for the HR companies, because they have job descriptions, but it's right. not the same. Right. But what separates uh, an office administrator versus a practice manager versus a regional manager and it differs so much across the industry that I think that's really to our detriment because we don't know if we're, we're training the person to the right level. Correct. So it, it bothers me. I wish there was some published standard out there, but, you know, I, I don't know of any. Well, and there might be, and there's lots of us out there, right, who have lived and walked in these different shoes. And so I think we all have an idea of what those different tiers should look like. One of the things, I'm, I'm just glad you brought it up, because one of the hearts that myself and my associate, Kim Bates, um, who I hired this last year, and she's a top-tiered 
practice administrator. She's like a flagship for if you want someone who can do all of the pieces and is really good at most of them, that's Kim. That's great. And Kim's heart, though, and she's like, but she knows that she wouldn't be half of that. I would not have been the administrator I was or manager I was. And certainly I'm a way better coach than I ever was a manager, too, right? But this all this comes from learning and evolving. We need people to come alongside us and help us get to those different levels and tiers. So one of the things that we're looking at is actually creating a, much like I know Adon has a lot of this and these great resources, too, but we're looking at really creating a um, practice administrative education program. There can never be too many of those. And, you know, one thing that I think would be just amazing with you is your, your knowledge of the budget and the numbers, too. I mean, that, that coupled in with, I mean, obviously, you're a very polite person, but fun, right? Yeah. But that customer service piece is so yeah. missing and, yeah. and just, it's just hard. It's hard to train that. So. I'm excited about that. So a, a new administrative training program, you're going to have to let me know when that's out. Well, I we will. We're looking at probably next year or the year after. We're looking at the different tiers. And going back to that same sort of question, Teresa is like, oh, we hadn't thought about it as different levels before. Some of that really depends on practice to practice. So I go about looking at the practice and deciding and determining with the doctors based on the vision, based on the core values of the of the business and the practice based on the, then I look at the data, right? Based on the volume, based on production collection and all of those, whether heavy involvement in insurance, not heavy involvement, what does the practice actually need? Do they need a top tiered administrator or do they need a really, really good practice manager or do they just re need a really, really good lead point person on the administrative team or the clinical team? that can work cohesively with the rest? Like, what is it that they actually need? And then let's find that. When you have a doctor who is a really good leader, then having that flagship isn't necessarily as important, or do you think that can still work well together? What does that look like? Is a flagship better for a doctor type that doesn't really want to get involved in it? Because flagships are unicorns. I'm sure yeah. Kim knows she's a unicorn. And that's the phrase I use. I love that you said that. And I... <laughs> And of the 10 teams that I coach right now, Teresa, I think there's really one and a half unicorns out of 10, right? So they're hard to come by. That's why they're unicorns. So you're going to call this the Unicorn Academy. Yes. Oh my gosh, good. Yep. <laughs> Bingo. I love it. The Unicorn Academy. And they're going to get like little unicorn trophies at the yes. end. <laughs> I'm telling you, you'd, it's so rare nowadays to find a practice manager who hasn't taken CE and hasn't been taught but is aware of how important customer service is, unless they've come from banking or jewelry. My best hires ever were bankers, jewelers, and a girl that came from a used cars lot. Believe it or not, she was phenomenal. She sold everything. Well, <laughs> so, and I look for people who like have worked in the hospitality industry, you know, and I'm really looking for those Four Season Ritz Carlton. Now they don't have to have come from that, but I want them to know and understand what does that feel like? Which is why the interview piece is so important. Like, what does that mean to you? Because it could mean something different to you, Teresa, than it does. I want to answer your question, though, about where do we need the unicorn? Where do we need that top-tier administrator? And I think it doesn't necessarily matter whether or not the dentist owner is a good leader or a great leader or a fabulous leader or not. It really depends on all the other pieces also. Because our doctors can be amazing leaders and inspiring 
guiding, mentoring, but they can't actually manage and do the books and the payroll and the, all those other pieces too, and do amazing dentistry, right? right. Something's got to give. Right. Now, if you're a managing partner in a practice with multiple doctors and you don't see patients anymore, maybe not. Maybe you don't need that. But I love the thing that you did say too, because this is what my one team is calling it, partners. They, they're looking for an administrative partner. They're looking for a clinical partner, a hygiene partner. It is really the, it's not just optics, but when you call it that, that gives them something to aspire to. They realize that partnership is what you're striving for. So I love that term, but rather than coordinator or leader. Right. But a partner's partner. better. Oh, well, even I was just having this conversation because I just had this phone call before I was getting on with you is even how do we communicate with our partners? Would you talk to your partner in business the same way you talk to you know, your coordinator or your, you know, how are we communicating? And I was doing that because one of the doctors, is, he needs some help on how he communicates with people in a gentler, more uh, inspiring way. And I said, you know, you've asked for a partner. Is that how you would have communicated that, this important message with your partner? Yeah, that's a little bit of an eye opener when you put it that way. Right. Okay. I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. Well, and I, I'm asking about the flagship administrator because most of the people who I know that tell me they listen to this, they're they're managing rock star practices or they're trying to get into that position, right? Yeah. So I, I want you guys to know that are listening that this is this is attainable. You can train yourself to be good in a lot of areas, but it is nice to have help. Like not good in everything, know where you're great and then make sure you reach out. And that's part of your coaching is making sure everybody knows what the resources are in the office and you're a resource too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think back to Jerry, you know, 28 years ago when I was recruited, you know, I, like I said, I was in college and managing a clinic cosmetic counter and I was recruited into dentistry because of a gentleman I was helping at the clinic counter. He was an orthodontist who had just opened a practice. Really? Yeah. Funny. <laughs> and he invited me. He's like, I want you to come and work for me. I thought, Are you kidding me? I don't know anything about teeth except that I have them. And I go to the dentist and I've had some more of those. That's, I've never thought about this at all. Fast forward, I, you know, I, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with working with a team. I fell in love with watching the patients and building relationships. I fell in love with taking that hospitality piece, that service piece, and into this whole other area. And then I fell in love with the business side, which I you know, never anticipated. But I didn't go to school for that. Well, and here's the thing. I always get asked, should I take some business classes? You and I are in about the same. It's yeah. been close to 30 years that I've been. Yeah, so same here, same here. So, But when you and I were managing way back then, it was okay that we didn't have business training yep. because it was a business, but it wasn't what it is now. This Correct. is so different now. A good manager should at least know what a profit and loss statement looks like, should be able to read it, but you know, maybe you're, you're not there to make the analysis and all of that, but you should be able to at least pull out some key indicators. Right. And then there's HR training, which is a whole, I mean, there's whole departments in big business for HR, but the one person in the office is supposed to be the HR expert. It's always blown my mind. Yes. And luckily I had a doctor who wasn't so uh, demanding. He knew that this was a lot for one person and he was very helpful with it. But you and I going to 
business school for dentistry was not necessary. Right. I think now if you have a manager, doctors, listen up. If you have a manager who's not taking some webinars and not taking any courses or not reading any business books, and you're going to have some issues. Yes. Just not because of her attitude, right, Jerry? No. But more because she just doesn't know what she doesn't know. Right. And the, the industry is not what it was. And so, and certainly even now it'll be even different. So we have got to level up. And if you are hiring somebody for that role, I'm looking for people who are hungry, humble, and smart, right? The ideal team player. That's my, my Patrick Lencioni go-to book is the ideal team player. And those three key ingredients are humble, hungry, and smart. And hungry means we're hungry for beyond the status quo. Because certainly I could learn to do these tasks that we do in the office, but how do I learn to be better at communicating with my team? How do I learn to understand profit and loss. Do I ever want to become an accountant? Oh, corn badog, no. Like, no, uh, I could not possibly no. do that. Like, no, but I better have a basic <laughs> understanding. And even now, just like you, Teresa, as a coach, I'm continuously taking and diving into things that I'm not going to do for a living per se, but I need to have a better understanding. And if you want to be that unicorn for your practice and you want to watch just your own professional development and job satisfaction increase, learn more, learn to do more, make yourself so valuable or invaluable. Well, and there's so many different methods to management. I, I mean, you, you have a system that you teach the five behaviors of a uh, cohesive yeah. team. That's it. Yeah. And I've actually seen you talk in person about that. Mm -hmm. So there's that, there's all sorts of other business models too. Don't read one book and assume that's the way. There are so many different ways to manage a practice. But you said something I'd like to circle back to if I could, okay. which is the new business paradigm that we're looking at, you know, because the metrics are going to be different for this first year or two post-COVID. So is there a little bit of grace involved when they don't hit their goals or when do you shift down the recare goals? Do you shift down collection goals? What's going through your head now when the doctor's going, what are my goals now? So that's a great question. And I am conflicted. So one part of my brain and, and self says, why would I shift down? Now, there's one thing to slow down mm -hmm. to go forward, right? And slow down to go fast. We're coming around a curve. So what do you, you know, when you're driving a car, it's slow in, fast out, right? So part of me does not want to shift down what the goals should be. Well, it's against your nature. Right? Yeah, I'm, like, do no, it. I'm not going to be like, yeah, I don't need to work as hard because the whole COVID thing happened. So let's just, we're going to just kind of get back into it, see how it goes, <laughs> you know, and then, and the coach won't care or whoever won't care. It's all right. No, we're going to still have the same goals, the goals that you had before. Now, whether you're going to actually make those goals in this next six months or more, who knows, right? We don't know. I, we can't predict. Now, I was reading, because, you know, my little geeky data side, I was geeking out on a bunch of projections and data, you know, and market analysis research that was making my head hurt about what it might look like going forward. Part of me is, no, I'm not going to shift it down. I'm going to slow things down, and we're going to have a lot more grace. You said the word, grace, grace, with everything, with each other, with our patients, with our production, with our collections, with the insurance companies, all the things. We need to have more grace. But I'm not going to take my foot off the accelerator. We're going to keep pushing forward and keep growing and re-innovate, right? We're going to have to come up with new ways and new ideas. And was this million-dollar goal that we had for 2020 realistic anymore? 
maybe not, maybe not. Now, I also, on the flip side, I don't like to make goals that are so unattainable right. that it's defeating. So I think we have to get back to work with the intent of going forward and continuing to strive for the key performance measurements mm -hmm. that are set, even if the dollar amounts are going to be different. We have a new status quo right now, right? We've been a pretty flat for the last three months. So we have only upwards to go. <laughs> See, that's the cherry I love. We can only go up <laughs> from only here. Go forward. That's not going to hold us back. <laughs> and then we get to re-examine. We get to look at January. We'll have a four or five. Where are we now? June. June, July. We're June. Oh, my gosh. Yes, my gosh. Okay. So we'll have a six-month look back. And then we'll be able to project a little bit better based on trends. We need to watch them, see how things are happening in our practice and set new goals for 2021. But I'm not going to, did I answer that? I'm like both sides of the fence. I'm not going to back off. I wouldn't right. for me personally. I'm not per for me personally, for my business. Will I have to be more flexible and gracious? Yes. Yeah, so so definitely, I mean, just inwardly, I've had to change everything. We were talking earlier, my business is completely going to be, it's going to look different in 2021 than it's ever looked before, just because this has taught me a lot. And, you know, you learn, right? You adapt or you slowly wilt away. So here's why I asked you that question is because I am on a lot of these groups and I read silently a lot of times and I hear people saying, gosh, we're off this much already and we're down this much and we only got, I only have 5,000 that I could deposit yesterday and today I had no checks coming in. And you can hear them beating themselves up about it because that's their baby, right? They've been good at making the wheels turn and, and this is just beyond our control at this point. So I'd rather, like you said, slow down than keep this huge goal that you're going to be depressed if you don't get it, you know? And a lot of us, we do internalize when we don't make our numbers. Yes. I don't know. I'm sure you were the same way. When I didn't make my numbers, it was a bad day. It took, I took it very personally, even though I'm very not personally. driven by that. For me, it's the relationship pieces and stuff, right? But I'm still, that's the whole other side of me is still like, that shows me, the data shows me how well I'm doing at the other pieces. Yes. I, or so I, you know, here's something. Well, that the data doesn't lie, right? Well, the data true. never that's lies. Right. The data doesn't lie. And the story is, the numbers are always telling us a story, something, right? We can make, we have to pay attention to. My husband, who, as you know, is a periodontist, he put this in perspective for me right at the early pieces of this going into to isolate in place and practices closing. He said, you know, Jerry, the average dentist, your average client is going to be in practice at least or about 30 years, for some even more. Even if we are held back, shut down, paused for three to six months, it's really only one, two, three percent of the production and collection and the stuff that we're going to do in our 30-year career. See, and that is why it's good to have big thinkers and detailed thinkers, because I wouldn't have thought of it that way, and it's actually very comforting Yes. to hear that isn't it's comforting i'm glad you shared that and it was comforting so for my for my consultant and you you know teresa what do you call yourself because you're an educator you're a consultant you're an expert you're a what is Just what do we call educator, you teresa educator the <laughs> chick that talks insurance you know 
that crazy chick that likes to talk about insurance coverage. That's right. <laughs> For all of us, like this, this was me really a couple of weeks ago. You know, we've all had our moments during this where I was, I've been super busy working, you know, getting my clients through the whole process. Some of my clients and, and colleagues are forward, big picture thinkers. Some got stuck in the, no, what's happening right now? But this was me a few weeks ago in that too, is I, I, was, I couldn't go to sleep. My husband said to me, are you ever going to go to bed? I said, I don't know. He said, why not? I said, I don't want to go to sleep. And he said, what? Why? And I said, because I don't want to wake up tomorrow and do it all over again like this, right? And I said, I think I'm going to give my resignation. <laughs> I'm giving my two weeks notice. And he said, he said who are you going to give it to? <laughs> myself and my associate he goes I don't think I don't think yourself and your associate are going to accept and I said, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't quite work that way unfortunately <laughs> and even when I get scared about the numbers right or my business and it's new it's in its infancy right I just brushed out on my own a year ago and maybe I don't have a 30-year career because I'm you know as we said I'm 28 years into this process already I'm not, <laughs> not going to be doing this for another 30 um, is that it's also just a small percentage of time for me too, right? So I got to go, I got to be okay on myself as well. So you're probably thinking of big, bold things to change. What about your clients? Is there anything big and bold that they're doing? Are they embracing the teledentistry? Are they embracing yeah. doing more single visits? Are they, what are they doing that's like the new thing that they probably wouldn't have done had this not come about? One of them is teledentistry. Right. And doing some of those consults. How is it? Help, how is it helping? Because I, I get asked all the time, can you give me examples? And it's just nice to have somebody else give examples. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things I hear a lot from like two of my docs that are doing it, um, one is older and one is young, right? young millennial. They actually are getting to build connection. With the patient. No, no masks, no whatever, like you and I just looking at each other and having a conversation. So they're building some relationship before the patients are even ever coming into their office, right? And getting to say, hey, because it's not going to eliminate the fact that they're going to need to come into the office. I think that's the perception. How are we going to practice dentistry over the phone? I'm like, yes, how, why would you think that that's going to happen? Like, where, where are you coming from? No. But you're right. It just needs to be, I think, shown and experienced. But but yeah, their first visit coming in, you're going to look like a beekeeper. So why not let them see how you laugh and smile and how concerned you are? It, make, it just makes sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. So that's one. That's one. Um, bigger picture things are really grasping and learning to love technology for those that were maybe hesitant to level up to some of that, understanding that it's going to be really important now. Some are, you know, a lot of changes are small changes, although some are very bold. The boldest change is a potential client that I'm in conversation with right now who had purchased a practice about three years ago. Really great kid, very good leader, visionary, practices with his brother, bought a practice, inherited a team of 15. Oh, wow. And as you can imagine, some of those people had been with the previous practice for upwards of 28 plus years. During this time, he really took the time to say, I've got to make this practice truly mine. It's not enough just to talk about my vision and talk about my core values. And I've changed equipment and I've updated the ops and I've done these things. Long story short, Teresa, he um, let 10 people go. Wow. 
so they all got laid off, but he only rehired five people to go back to practice with. Five. For both him and his brother? Yeah, five. Five wow. people because they... They have scaled down. Okay. Well, he scaled down to go forward because, number one, he wanted people who w- wanted the same things that they want. People that did want to partner with them, that saw the vision and the style of practice that they want to have and want that for themselves and their careers as part of the team as well. And if you weren't on board with that, it was okay to free you up to, like as Kirk Barrett likes to say, free you up to your future or free you on to your future and, and go back to practice the way he really wants to practice, not the way somebody else created and or envisioned ahead of him. That's a bold move. That was like, what's the boldest move I know? <laughs> that's pretty bold. But you know, that's I never really thought about it. But when you purchase an existing practice, you do try to make it your own, but this has been the best way to totally make it your own. Like it's almost clean slate time for him. So, I mean, that's actually pretty exciting. Uh, I'm sure some of the dentists listening are like, wait, how can I do that? You're going to call, you're going to call Jerry and she'll walk you through it. But (laughs) just curious, is he also taking the opportunity to get off of a lot of insurance plans too? Or is that a factor in any of your clients? Uh, He's fee for service. Ah, okay. So that, I mean, it gives you so much freedom, right? Right. To be able to do that. I've been fielding so many calls of doctors wanting to go out of network. They're using this as the great, you know, reset. I can do what I want. And, and it's, it's very nice to hear that they also understand it's going to come with some effort, meaning the marketing and the customer service and all of that. And it just, it's, because usually you, I have doctors who say, I want to drop plans, and then they just expect the seats to keep full. Right. These doctors that have called me, they know, what can we do? What are you talking about as far as customer service? And it's about the teledentistry is what, stop, what starts the conversation and getting off the networks. And then I say, all right, here's what my two cents, and then go, go off to these people who I trust. And you know, I give them a list of people who I trust, yeah. and they're on that list. They, they can seek out the expertise for the, the long term. But I've been hearing that a lot, just wanting to get off of these plans. This is a good time to do it. So I, yeah, I just was wondering if you'd had that same experience with your clients. So yes, and one of my, all my teams get a nickname. <laughs> so one of my teams, my Sweet Home Alabama team, that's why I protect their HIPAA privacy. Is they <laughs> just have nicknames. She was in her mind thinking that she needed to add services, right? So many do, right? When we need to increase production, how are we going to make up for this lost, you know, production and collection? And I'm thinking I need to add services. I'm thinking I need to keep things in-house that more. And I said, well, that's, do you want to do those things? I mean, do you really want to do endo? Well, not really. I mean, it's like, okay, so you don't really actually want to do that kind of dentistry. But I said, so what else could you do? She's heavy PPO involvement. And we've been having this conversation for, you know, two years. And she's, you know, dropped one here, maybe one there. She's looked, she's, I've referred her off to, you know, to people like you and other people to help her navigate and decide. And I said, let's go back to that report that we looked at. But actually, I think it was, I don't know, Patterson, I think did her rep, Patterson rep had done for us, which is if you actually stepped away from even five of these plans look at the potential production in right or i think oh yeah maybe a dental intel report you know somewhere where we're looking at that data right some you know and she's like oh well this would probably be a really good time to do that huh and i said i think maybe (laughs) this is a really good time to do it yeah it's a really good time to do it and one i think realization that i have 
I tell them this, and you're already seeing it. I tell them this when I'm on the phone with them. There's a big possibility you're going to need less staff. And that's really hard for them to hear because if they really love their staff, they're thinking, well, what about my insurance coordinator? I want to let her go. Your insurance coordinator has so much institutional knowledge. Don't let her go. Move her into a different role, you know, or, or have her do something different. But more than likely, if you drop a lot of plans, you're probably not going to need as many people. And you have to make it work with your overhead. I mean, that's where you and your numbers, your knowledge of the numbers comes in. And you would help them balance that. I do see that. that that's definitely an observation over many years of working walking dentists away from PPO plans. I've definitely seen that. Well, even the things that you've taught me, Teresa, about like how many, what's the percentage really of people that have dental benefits to begin with in the U.S.? And then how many actually use them? Which means like you've got like, you know, what is it? 60% of the population does not have dental benefits that you have to worry about. That's right. And now thinking as we go forward of people who've been laid off or maybe are getting new positions um, and rehired with different levels of benefits or maybe no benefits at all. Yeah. You know, you're not even going to have to worry about that piece anyway. And you don't need to change your fees either. So I don't want to see people lowering their fees for heaven's sake. I heard that. I was like, no, don't do that. But rather just getting a little bit more flexible for a time about how people take care of their portions and their cost shares. It's a great time to consider those things and then get expertise with like Teresa. I can guide you on the other piece, but I cannot talk to you about your dental benefits. <laughs> well, and I, I do expect, though, that with, you're right, we are going to have people lose benefits. I mean, that's for sure. So you're not going to see as many insured people next year. That's my big prediction. But you are now probably going to have to teach them how to be more aggressive, maybe not aggressive, but you know, I'm getting there uh, with asking for money and making sure that the financial arrangements are done. When you walk in and you're talking with a team member and they're the one who's supposed to do it, what's the tip off for you that this person needs help with those role plays, that there's the, this person needs help with, you know, making sure that they ask for the money and they're getting it right? Is Are you observing them or is it that you just see the numbers and the numbers tell a story? What, what, what How do you make that decision to strengthen that up? All of those pieces. So I'm first looking at the data. And I think, okay, so I ask about case acceptance or things like that. Oh, no, we have good case acceptance. Oh, all right, let's look. <laughs> um, let's take a look here. And then it is an observation. But with one team I've been working through, we've had time to work on some verbiage and some how do we have some better conversations around treatment presentation, financials, benefits, things like that. During this time, we've had time to work on that. They just tell me. Or I ask them. I'm really good at asking a lot of questions. I probe. I probe a lot. <laughs> I ask them, tell me the, the things you love about, you know, treatment presentation. Or tell me the things you love about insurance, being an insurance coordinator or whatever it is. And then they'll tell me the things. That, what are the things that challenge you the most? And it's almost always, oh, I, you know, when I get pushed back or perceived pushback or when I get this, I'm like, great, let's talk about that. So let's, let's pretend. So it's, I take all of those pieces. I'm like a little investigator, Teresa. I take this, I take a piece of this, and then I listen for what they're saying. And if what they're saying doesn't match up with what the data is telling me, I'm like, well, what do you think is happening here? Right? And I don't have to say, well, that doesn't add up. You know, they usually tell me, well, I guess, I guess this, or I guess, you know, this. 
And I look at, well, how many yeah. treatments been presented in the last couple of months that hasn't been scheduled? Why do you think that is? So we start to figure out where they're uncomfortable. Well, the perception is always um, that it's better than it actually is. And that's just normal. I mean, that's just normal. We tend to think we're doing a really good job. We all do that. It's like a Fitbit, right? Until you put your Fitbit on. You're like, I exercise all yeah. the time. Oh, apparently not. <laughs> oh, I thought I moved more. <laughs> so now you have the contactless payments and you have now treatment consultation rooms may be going away, Jerry. I mean, maybe we're not doing consultation rooms anymore. We're doing them with masks on or have. How are your teams adjusting to that? Well, that's a great question, Teresa. And I don't actually know because most of my teams have now only been back to work for about two weeks. One week. Uh, okay, summer. so we're going to have to check in. So we're going to have to check in. One team, although this does crack me up, one team has gone to the little terminals in the ops, right? And they've just... I think most any of this, no matter what you decide to do, whether you're taking credit card payment in the operatory, whether you're taking it over the phone in advance of the visit, no matter how you decide to handle it, it's about setting the expectation ahead of time so that your patient knows what to expect. When is the time to do that? When, when do you perceive as the best time to do that right now? Because we haven't had contact with them. So is it is it newsletter? Is it phone call? How, how are you asking them to do that? New patient intake or the patient intake, number one. This is how we do that. Number two is for existing patients. When you're now calling to confirm and or you know remind them of their appointment and that you're looking forward to seeing them, you're taking them through because we have to, right? Jerry, what you'll find is that we're going to meet you at the door. Your new reception area is in your car. <laughs> Our new reception area is your car, Jerry. And we're going to come to you, right? And we're going to do this. And this is how it's going to go. And we're going to take you step by step. And then also use the auxiliary softwares that you have. If you have a confirmation software or, you know, if you use Weave or RevenueWell or Solutions, whatever you use to confirm appointments and to send communication to your patients, you're putting it there too. Again, all of the pieces. We have to right now with all the PPE pieces, right? And then you reiterate it again when they get there. Jerry is so good to see you. We've missed you. This is the thing we've missed the most is getting to be with you. Come on in. This is how we're going to do this. And then they're in the chair. And yes, maybe I need my crown on number 14. All right, Jerry. So remember as we talked about, or maybe you saw in our video or our email or the reminder we sent out for your appointment, we're going to go ahead and take care of that right here to minimize movement in and out of the room. We're going to go ahead and take care of payment right here. And this is how we're going to do it. And you have practiced that. I mean, you've been doing this for years, right? So, but I always mention to people who listen to the podcast, don't try to sound just like Jerry mm -mm. because it, you're going to, you're going to sound like yourself trying to sound like Jerry. Yeah. Practice, you know, rewind what you, she said and practice that until it comes out naturally. Try it out on a couple patients, try it out on your doctor, whatever, you know, and honestly, nobody knows what they're doing right now. So if you screw up in front of a patient, who cares? Laugh it off. Honestly. Honestly, laugh it off like, well, wait, that was, a, you know, I'm trying to do this new stuff. Everybody's being much more accepting. One of the words I've been making a list, Teresa, as my teams do go back to work of what are some things that you're experiencing so that we can pass that on for the people who haven't gone back to work yet? Or what are some things that you tried or that you set up and you're like, oh, nope, fail, not going to work, not going to do it, don't do it, don't recommend it. The word that came up consistently so far has been the word awkward. Awkward. <laughs> and I laughed, but I wrote it down because I thought it came up enough that I thought that's significant, right? It's awkward. So is the first date. And so is the whatever. These are awkward things. So it takes 
practice, but it's okay. It's okay. Because we are all practicing, including the patients. It's awkward for them too, because they don't exactly know what to do either. It's actually more awkward for them because you've already been awkward four or five times today. So now, so now, now you're being, this is their first time being awkward. So you're actually an awkward pro at this point. So don't, don't be afraid of that. I, cause they don't know what to expect either. The doctors or the patients. I mean, you're seeing these news stories of people looking like, you know, wrapped in mummies. So your, your patients are expecting the full HR or not HR, but ER setup and all of that. So it is going to be a relief for them to see that you're still you underneath all of that. I love it. I told you we would get to an hour I know. without even thinking about it, right? right? I said, I say this to everybody and I always have a good time. I say, listen, we're going to do 45 minutes, but it might go to an hour and it always goes to an hour because it, you just have so much fun. So tell everybody, Jerry, how they can find you. And I will put all of this in the show notes as well. Okay, great. Well, you can find me on Facebook at GG Practice Coaching and development. GG Practice Coaching, I think if you look for GG Practice Coaching, it'll come up. Our website is ggpracticecoaching.com. And I'm Jerry at ggpracticecoaching.com. I'm on Instagram as Jerry Gottlieb. And that is connected to my website. And it's connected to my Facebook as well now. And you can send me little messages or you can email me, Jerry, G-E-R-I at ggpracticecoaching.com. So all of that is going to be in the show notes and I'll also include a link to, she has a, a, a nice little page that explains, you know, her, her services and all of that. And honestly, I, I love promoting my friends. I really do, but I have seen firsthand what you do with people and oh my gosh, I'm excited for any of you that are exploring working with a coach. I remember just working with you Chicago, yeah. right? It was in Chicago in the Hugh Freedy building. And I just thought, I need more Jerry in my life because sometimes I get grumpy. I get grumpy sometimes. So I need more Jerry. And I need more Teresa. You're my go-to person for all things dental insurance related and how to really help my teams with that. I don't try to coach those pieces at all. I seek expertise and that you're the expert that I go to first always. I appreciate that. Well, and we're going to have to have you come back on and we'll do a check-in yeah. on how your practices are doing, like maybe towards the end of the year, because I'm thinking at that point, people are going to be, we'll know more. Yes. Hopefully we don't have another shutdown, but we'll know more as far as goals and, and what the economy is looking like. And it'd be curious to see this podcast versus that. That podcast. would be so great. Be then we can fun. look at some of the measurements of where where the awkwardnesses are still or where they've not been as awkward as we thought. <laughs> That's your new slogan. Awkward is okay. Awkward is okay. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much for being on. And everybody, I hope that you find Jerry online and I hope that you seek her out and start following her. And if she's ever in your area, I know you don't do a ton of speaking, but sometimes you do some study clubs, please find her and you'll just, you'll enjoy it. So with that being said, I'm going to sign off for this episode. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. And as always, listeners, I appreciate every moment that you spend with me. Thank you. We're all super busy, so thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in this episode. You can also find links for my book and for my live events and webinar schedule. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues, 
Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn.